We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Recorded live. Good evening. It is Monday, April 13th, 2015. My name is Michael Clark. I'm not afraid to give my name. And we're here once again to talk about the only true asset privacy and asset protection program in the world. Totally impenetrable. And guys, tonight we're going to be talking about the um, um, a little bit of review for people that have already had the program Initially, as a talking point, we're going to be talking about the trust certificates and something um, brand new for the new clients. We haven't really talked detail on the on the client on the uh, trust certificates for some time. So this one has been listed and will be listed as trust certificates on the recorded calls of April 13th. And before I get started on specifically the uh, the trust certificates. I quite often get questions, and this is for all of you, I quite often get questions on who owns the trust. And that's all that bankers and attorneys and, and tax professionals know. Well, well, who owns this trust? Meaning, who are the trustees? Because in the statutory world, the trustees are the owners of the assets in the trust. That's why if you've got a living trust, that's why the judge can point to you if you get a judgment against you and say, hey, revoke your trust, sell all of the assets in it, and, and give the proceeds to the, to the plaintiff that got the judgment against you. Because you're the owner of the assets. If you have a car accident, if you have a business failure, if you have anything at all, somebody gets hurt on your property, anything at all to where there's a, a, a lawsuit against you, and you've got money, uh, you've got assets in a statutory entity, my friends, it's just as if you owned it. Okay, it, the only thing a, a statutory trust does, the only thing that a a living trust does, um, is avoid probate. It has zero asset protection, and yet eighty percent of the people that are sold asset uh, sold living trusts by by attorneys, by by individuals, life insurance agents, financial planners, uh, tax professionals, all of them kind of jump into that. Um, all they're doing, and, and to avoid probate, probate is a good thing. When I had my two brokerage firms and we we did estate planning and financial planning, I put my clients in living trust because it was the best thing I knew at the time. But since learning about the pure contract trust, I know it's night and day. There's nothing that even nothing even close. Because in a living trust or any other type of statutory trust, crummy trust, charitable remainder trust, irrevocable trust, the trustees are the owners. I would never in my life set somebody in an irrevocable trust. An irrevocable trust still gives you no protection. What it does, it says that once you put everything into that trust, you can't change it. You cannot change what's, what are the terms or what the assets are in that trust, okay? It is done and over with. And yet even though the economy changes, even though, though your family situations may change, all these things that may change, um, you can't change the trust. I, I, I get so upset when I hear somebody has, has an irrevocable trust. Now, with that being said, in the case of when they ask you who owns the pure contract trust, you quite simply just say the in Balin versus Crenandato, and um, it's an Illinois Supreme Court case, an Illinois appellate court case, excuse me. The contract trust owns the property and is a distinct legal entity. Beneficial certificate holders are not treated as co-owners of the trust property. In a statutory trust, the beneficiaries are considered co-owners of the trust property. They own the trust property, not in a pure contract trust. And that's one of the things that gives, yes, a family trust is statutory. 
It's just another name for it. They just switch things around a little. Um, but the, again, in Balin versus Cranendato, the contract trust owns the property and is a distinct legal entity. And that's why if, if, the, uh, if the trust is being sued, they cannot go after the certificate holders, which the statutory name for that is beneficiaries, but certificate holders are night and day between. They're not just a, they're the person that receives the benefits of the trust, but they're not beneficiaries per se as in a, uh, as in a um, statutory trust. Okay, so I wanted to get that out first so that every, everybody understood, understands that the, um, that the pure trust is not how it differs from a statutory trust. That's the main reason. In a statutory trust, the trustees um, make the decisions, but the trustees can be removed or replaced um, by the uh, beneficiaries, and the beneficiaries are also um, have control over whether assets are sold, and, and the trustees are generally the beneficiaries, but if the trustees are considered the actual owners of the property. Okay? Um, so, for example, if you read the trust certificate, there's... Of the five components, the trust certificate, in my opinion, is among the, the the most brilliant thing that the super wealthy did when creating this. And it originally started as a Massachusetts trust back in 1827, and then a number of years later, the um, the people decided to start running their businesses through the trust. They were tired of the high taxation and the and the rules and regulations and red tape involved involved even back then with with uh, forming a corporation, so they said, "The heck with all that government intervention. Let's just create and run our businesses through the trust, and it became known as a business trust. And then in 1924, in Heck versus Malley, after the trust had evolved quite a bit, a lot, a lot of new case law came into effect defining contract, defining the, the pure contract trust, common law trust, the constitutional trust, true trust, specialized trust, all these different names pretty much uh, pointed to the same document, which is which I like to refer to as a pure contract trust. Most common name is pure trust. Okay, but in Schumann Hyde versus Folsom, the judge ruled that it was a 1927 case that if it's free of control by the certificate holders, i.e., the beneficiaries, then it is a pure trust. That's one of the stipulations. Okay. The certificate holders, unlike the beneficiaries of a statutory trust, the certificate holders have to have no control um, over the trust document, the trust assets, none, zero, nada. Okay, and uh, that's one of the starting points with the certificate holders. Okay, um, the. Um, I'm going to move down here to certificates. I'm going to read you the court cases um, regarding certificates. Who could be a trustee? Um, personal libel of trustees does not je jeopardize um, trust assets, whereas if the trustee of a, of a statutory trust were sued, the assets are all at, all at risk. Okay? Neither trustees nor certificate holders can be held liable for activities of the pure trust. That's powerful, again, because if you've got a statutory trust, if you've got a living trust or any of the 30 to 50 different um, types of statutory trusts, and a family trust is, they just put a different spin on it. There's AB trust. There's all these different things. Family, as a matter of fact, I was at one of the larger law firms in Los Angeles quite some time ago, and I had a client that she was, she's quite wealthy. She's now in her upper 80s, I believe, and, and still going strong. She's from Bulgaria, and um, she asked me to talk with her attorneys, which I did. And when I came in there, and I just sat down, and um, he said, "Well, what we've decided, Mr. Clark, is to put put um, her into a a family limited a family trust." And I said, "Hold it, hold it. There, there's there's only a couple different kinds of trust. You know, in reality, there's revocable, there's irrevocable. You put a spin on it, and." call it a family trust to make it nice and warm and fuzzy, and you may put a couple different beneficial things in there for the beneficiaries to be the family members and this and that and, 
And uh, but it's still just a trust, and it's still got to go by the trust laws of the state, the statutory trust laws. So, um, but the nice thing is, if there's a lawsuit against a family trust, a a living trust, or whatever, it goes directly to you as the as the trustee, as the you're usually the trustee and the beneficiary. So it'll go directly to you, and we're going to go over that in a minute too. Um, the fact that. You can be the trustee and the beneficiary. And if, if you're uh, not too long ago, I had another person again say, "Well, my financial planner said that I can't be the, the trustee and the and the um, and the uh, beneficiary." Well, that's the way it is in almost every living trust. You can be the trustee and the uh, beneficiary. So, my advice to them was to get a new um, financial planner, somebody that knows what's going on. Um, it says it has been held that public policy is not offended by permitting a business to be carried on by trustees who limit their liability to the trust estate. So in the pure contract trust, the, the trustees have no liability. The only liability goes against the estate of the trust. If the trust does something wrong or if the trustees knowingly do something wrong to whereas the trust can be sued, and uh, they can lose the assets that way. That's why we have very stringent rules that we follow. We don't want anybody um, losing the assets, putting the trust itself into a liability position. Um, trustees have full and complete powers of management, but no power to create any liability against the certificate holder. So if the trustees get the trust in trouble or they get in trust in trouble themselves, it does not affect the certificate holder in the least. Are you getting the picture now? Um, uh, are you getting the picture now that the uh, um, trust certificates are very powerful? You're not going to lose them like you do in a uh, um, like you do in a statutory trust. Um, I get concerned when I see all these people logging leaving the, the, the call. It's early in the call. Hmm. Sorry it wasn't that interesting for you. Okay, well, let's move on now. With um, um, Let's see, where was I? Okay, certificate holders have no rights. Uh, who can be a certificate holder? American Jurisprudent, Volume 13, Business Trust, Section 31, Eligibility. The rule applicable to trust generally that any person having capacity to take and hold legal title to property has capacity to be the beneficiary of a trust. Of such property would appear to apply to business trusts as well. Trustees of a business trust are not disqualified from being shareholders thereof. Get that? Trustees are not disqualified from becoming certificate holders, shareholders thereof. You can be the beneficiary and the trustee. It's right there in American jurisprudence. Uh, in fact, provision for ownership of shares by the trustees is frequently incorporated into trust instruments. Certificate holders have no rights regarding pure trust assets. Certificates are personal property and convey no interest in the trust property. Um, in other words, as a certificate holder, you don't have any ownership in the property owned by the trust. And that's the way you want it. You don't want any ownership because then somebody can take it from you. You have zero. You've got tremendous other benefits, but you've got no interest in the trust property or the corpus of the trust. Baker versus St. Louis Union. The owner of beneficial certificates is not an owner as a stockholder is an owner. That certificate holders have no ownership whatever in property held by the contract trust, nor do they have any voice or control over the trustees. In other words, you just sit there as a certificate holder. You've made an investment in certificates, protected all your assets in doing so. And the certificate holders um, have no say-so in what the trustees do, and they have no ownership in the property. Therefore... Should anybody sue you for any reason? Should anybody um, in the U.S., if you have to go to a nursing home, you own nothing. You made a business transaction, no look-back period. Okay? So um, they can't take anything from you. The, the certificate holders have no say-so. If a dividend is dispersed by the trustees, and we know who the trustees are, 
But if the trustees decide to disperse a dividend, it, that money goes is proportionately divided among the, the certificate holders, okay? If you have you make your three kids certificate holders and you want to give each one of them a little money at Christmas time or something, so you you declare a nine thousand uh, dollar dividend and they're all one third, one third, and one third owners, each of the kids would get three thousand um, dollars. Richard versus people first people's trust. The declaration of the trust in case at bar is different from any hitherto considered by this court in that the shareholders the certificate holders are utterly destitute of every legal right and or means of expressing an opinion touching the trust. So therefore, it kind of surprised the court that the certificate... Now see, it's a private contract. And you sign off. When you sign your trust documents, you're saying, I agree to this. This is all in the trust indenture. Uh, fair market, uh, the contract trust owns the property and is distinct legal, legal entity. Um, fair market value of certificates. Now, this is one of the most powerful parts, and this is the last part that I'm going to go over tonight. Fair market value of certificates. The state of Anderson versus Commissioner of Internal Revenue. Certificates have no ascertainable fair market value and have minimal value to someone else. Bad bargains do not result in taxable gifts. No gift tax because bad bargains do not result in taxable gifts. But also what it's really saying is that it has no no ascertainable or fair market value, guys. If somebody gets it, and the only thing you own certificates, nobody can ever take them from you. You have to give them up yourself. If you get a judgment against you for $5,000 or for $5 million, are the certificates worth $5,000? And we'd have to get more into which I'm going to in just a second. Are they worth $5,000? Maybe, may not be. Are they worth $5 million? Maybe, maybe not. So the judge can't, can't ascertain the value of the, chip, of the certificates they have. And here's the reason. As I said earlier, the certificate holders are paid if there's a distribution. Now, say you put a million dollars worth of property into the trust and you got in return 100 certificates. There's no value based on those certificates as there is in, are in stocks, okay? Your certificates have nothing to do with the value of those of those of the property you put in there. You have no ownership in that property. Now, is it, are they worth a million? Are the certificates worth a million dollars? Well, they might be worth zero. They might be worth 10 million. It all depends on how much the dividends pay. You know, if the dividends, they may may pay 10 million over a period of time. But at the time that you're in court with somebody, first of all, those are your certificates. You can't be involved in a lawsuit because of the trust, because of the fact that you're a trustee. And, uh, of course, the, the, the trust and all the assets in it, um, they may never pay a dividend. So what are the certificates worth? Zero, maybe, at that time? And uh, if the um, if the and the the other benefit of the certificates is if the trust is eventually dissolved by the trustees, yes, the trustees have the right to dissolve the trust, even though you've given up all your assets irrevocably. If the trustees decide to resolve the trust, all of the assets of the trust will be will be distributed proportionately to the certificate holders. Okay, those are the only two things. One, if there's a distribution, and second if the trust dissolves. Uh, here's a few more uh, court cases. Commissioner versus Marshman. Fair market value is determined by property received by the taxpayer and not the fair market value of property transferred by a taxpayer to the trust. Um, American National Bank of St. Joseph versus U.S. 1950 court case. Fair market value for the purpose of internal revenue law, is the price at which a seller is willing to sell at a fair price, both having reasonable both having reasonable knowledge of the facts. So in other words, you can't give something away for a dollar and expect the, uh, say you put it into the trust for a dollar, the, the IRS, it, whenever you transfer assets into this trust, they are for fair market value, which is what helps us when talking about um, um, nursing home spend down, okay? And that's pretty much it. That's what I wanted to get across to you. Certificates are what really protects your behind because they're private. 
They're, they're your personal property, and they have no ascertainable value. Wow, all that put together, and you've got, you are the beneficiary. Nobody can sue you and take those beneficial rights at all. You can, you can gift, donate, sell, assign your certificates um, to your kids, to uh, uh, part of them to your church. You can put them in fractions. You can put them in decimals. MSB, those are the call letters. MSB stand for Masabi Mine. They're on the New York Stock Exchange. There's only about three companies that are on the New York Stock Exchange. That's the one I recall. And if you look them up, you'll notice that, that they don't sell stock. They sell certificates. They've been on the New York Stock Exchange for years and years. And um, secondly, um, the certificates are divided into decimals, and um, it's a trust. It's not a corporation. Those two things, it's a trust and not a corporation, and they sell certificates rather than shares. So um, there's a lot out there, my friends, that are, it's going on and right around you, and we never even noticed it because the people that give us advice, the professionals in our life, they don't even know there's, uh, there are um, um, trust, uh, pure contract trusts out there, guys. The reason being our professionals this day and age are taught statutory law, and that's pretty much the limits of it. Very few attorneys are, are, are know much at all about constitutional law. Only about 15% of them, I've been told, can, uh, can actually practice in an Article Three federal court. A statutory court is an Article One court. Okay, so very few can actually even practice. So you take the if somebody's going to sue you by putting everything in a federal court, you take everything out of the hands of the eighty-five percent of the attorneys. Um, so in most cases, it will be dropped once they know two things: one, that it is a pure contract trust, and two, that it uh, there is a UCC and of Canada a PPSA lien on all the assets now owned by the trust. Okay, so, so that takes, in, takes you out of the realm. And yes, my friends, it works with statutory, with uh, tax, tax um, uh, agencies as well as, as creditors, as well as attorneys, as well as government agencies, okay? A contract is a contract. We've had a couple people recently that they're having squabbles in Canada and I'm putting letters together for them. But I've had a couple attorneys that have, have um, mentioned to me or mentioned to their client just one today. She met with her attorney to help her through a situation where her mother passed. And the attorney says, well, I have to see if these laws are applicable in Canada. It's contract law for crying out loud. If you say, well, I'm going to go see, I'm going to show this to my attorney. Guys, worst thing you can do, worst thing you can do, I, everyone I've talked to, has, and, and took the time to, to talk with me or come to a seminar, everyone without exception has said, man, these things are for real. Um, did have a, I did have one tax professional um, walk out once, or one seminar shaking his head, I just can't believe this. Well, he just these people just want to hang on to what they've been taught and not the fact that there's something better and more powerful out there. And um, But the key behind... The trust certificates is um, the, the key behind trust certificate. Every once in a while, if you hear me pause, it's because I've read something on my computer screen. And we're going to get to the computer screen in just a second. So if you want to, um, um, if you want to uh, type up some questions, go ahead, and we'll be getting to them pretty quick here. But anyway, guys, the, the trust certificates are so powerful. They take all of the ownership and the beneficial part See, there's, they take all of the uh, beneficial interest of the trust assets and put them into your certificates, okay, or your and your spouse's certificates. You can you can divide them up into your to your kids, take some, send some to your one or two to your church or McDonald's house, Ronald McDonald's house, or or um, St. Jude or library or Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, wherever you want to do animal shelters. They're your certificates to do whatever you want with. And then if a dividend is paid, that entity will get a portion of that. So that's the talking points for tonight. I hope it's meaningful, and I hope you, you picked up a little bit um, um, 
from that. Okay, so I'm going to get to the questions first on the uh, uh, on the um, computer, and then we're going to go. If somebody that's on the phone has a question, press star eight. And when you press star eight, in order, I will get a flag with the first one will be number one, the second one will be number two. And um, have your, if you've got a question, and I do get you on the phone, um, have your question ready. And, you know, I don't want to be beating around the bush and this and that because other people have questions, and we've only got an hour and a half here. We've got less than an hour left. So, so if you would, have, um, have your questions ready. And uh, thanks, Noble Noble. And Lisa. Okay, this call is great and very informative. Thanks. You are welcome. That's the purpose of these calls every Monday, my friends, um, to um, share information that I've learned over the years with you. And and it's not over the years; it's continuing. And that's why, uh, if you haven't, if you didn't hear last Monday's call, by all means, that's a must listen to. Guys, the governments, all the governments of the world are broke. They're absolutely bankrupt. And now the International Monetary Fund has all of the governments working together to be able to take money out of your checking account, your life insurance cash values, your pension, your Social Security. Had to have a little water there. Yep, they've got all of these areas that are that they've now got the right to take money from. And it's because you're an individual citizen of that particular government. U.S. is, is uh, right there. Uh, Canada is right there. England, Australia, they've all, Greece, Spain, Italy, guys, they're all broke. They, they've, uh, they, they've just fuddled away our money, okay, that we pay them on taxes. And... Um, We've got to uh, we've got to protect ourselves. They can take your money and my money if we're citizens of that particular country. If we're not, if it's a trust that holds the money, or if it's a corporation, or if it's a an LLC, and you're not the shareholder, the stockholder, or the member of the LLC, they can't take it. If you are the if you're the shareholder in Canada of that corporation, they can take money out of it. If you're the stockholder of a corporation in the U.S., they can take it from you. You can have a nice corporation, a nice business, and all of a sudden they come out and they take money out of your savings account. They take money out of your business and personal checking account. Guys, they need money. They're going to take it from wherever they have to. And it's happened already hundreds of thousands of times in the U.S. Specifically, we have the, the documents available. A lot of people have called in and asked for us to send them the documents which we did right away, and um, it, it's a very scary situation, a, a scary world that we're living in right now. But it doesn't have to be. That's what I want to get across. It doesn't have to be. Just protect yourself, guys. If you've got, if you've got um, currencies, and if you think that with these new laws being in place, you think there's any co- correlation between the fact that they haven't um, they haven't RV'd yet, and these laws are now getting in place, so maybe the IRV will happen, and maybe they can go in and just take it. If you own them yourself, if you own dinar, if you own dong, if you own any type of investment or currency, but specifically currency, because a lot of people are waiting for RVs and different currencies, guys, they can come right in behind you. If you own it yourself, they come right in and take it. If a trust owns it, they can't take it. If a, if a, if a, uh, if a, a statutory entity such as a corporation or an LLC or a partnership owns it, uh, they can take it. But if you're not the owner, if Trust One is the owner of that LLC or that corporation is a shareholder of that corporation, they can change it. If you've got an existing business, my friends, and you're, I don't care if you're just barely getting by and you haven't protected that business, it's 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 on the wall. That business is going to be gone pretty soon. Don't think you're going to keep struggling and the government's going to just let you slide. They're going to come after wherever they can. If you've got an existing business, U.S. or Canada or Panama or Germany or England, you need the STS program. You need to get ownership out of your name, hands down. If you've got a multi-level marketing business and you've taken the time, and we do have a number of people that 
took the time and they built their monthly income up to anywhere from twenty-five to seventy-five thousand dollars a month. And because their attorney had advised them, or their or their tax professional had advised them, well, you've got to put that into a a corporation, an S corp, or you've got to put that into an LLC, uh, or you've got to put that into a Canadian corporation. Then you're safe. No, you're not. If you put it into a Canadian corporation and you're the shareholder, they'll take every dime in that MLM that you've taken worked hard to, to build up the monthly income. They'll take every if you're the stockholder in a US S corporation or a C corp doesn't matter, but C corporations are garbage in my opinion. But um or if you're the member of an LLC, guys, you're not safe at all. You're the owner. And most people, these people, we're getting more and more people that belong. And you don't have to make a lot of money. If you're making $1,000 a month from a uh, from an LLC, let's say, it just takes in income from several multi-level marketing businesses that you have. By golly, that money, they'll, they'll take that in a heartbeat. They just got to find it. As soon as they find it, They'll they'll take it from you because you own. If you're the member, you own that LLC. If you're the stockholder, you own that S corp. If you're the the shareholder, you own that provincial corporation. Okay. All right. Let me get to a couple questions here. I have a question about. Let me see here a second. Um, guest thirty two is Peggy E. Not guest five, as stated by mistake. I apologize, Peggy, and uh, I hope that. Um, I apologize. I forget your husband's name, but uh, you told me he's in a nursing home where he's about to, and I hope he's doing well. Um, okay, Hildy, templates ready for bank fat papers. No, you know what? I, I made the offer to people to go down to your TD or go down to your CIBC or go down to your your Bank of Montreal. I think I've got one from the Bank of Montreal, and that's it. Um, I'll, I'll have them ready for whatever bank you want at the time. Um, but nobody's got me anything yet. Uh, I have a question about gifting from, okay, this is uh, guess five. I have a question about gifting foreign currency to a nonprofit gift before revaluation. Once they exchange, we received a tax deduction for revalued dollars. You know what? I'm going to have um, Bill Tully come on next Monday, and he will answer that perfect for you. I don't remember the exact uh, way it's done. <clears throat> I think I think you give it to them. I think you give it to them right after the RV. Anyway, whatever it is, they get a, a, a big a big kick, a nice uh, nice cash amount and you get a cash deduction too because you've given away a uh, half million dollars or whatever it is, okay? I'll get Bill Tully to uh, come on next week first thing for a few minutes and um he will answer some tax questions. I'll make that one of them. Gifting, uh, send me, guess 50, guess five. Send me that in an email. Uh, Mike, um, uh, foreign currency to nonprofit. That's all you have to put on there. Gifting, foreign currency to non to a nonprofit. And I will put that question down for Bill. Okay, he'll be done with taxes as of Wednesday. And he is tickled to death. He's going to take a few days off and relax. And then he's back at it in Canada. You've still got a couple weeks to go yet. Michael, this is Bill from OKC. Good basketball team. I still need you to call me. I sent you an email with phone number. Yes, I will get to that. I will call you. I'm traveling tomorrow. At the latest, Bill, I'll call you Wednesday. At the latest, okay? Um, send me an email, Bill. One more, please. I apologize, but it just that they were stacking up with all the letters I've been writing out. And uh, let me mention too, guys, so we're not a law firm. I just got a letter and, and uh, from one person. They wanted me to call Ed Gilmore um, asking about tax advice. Guys, if you're in, you've got to call your tax people. You've got to call Bill Tully or you've got to call Ed Gilmore. Um, that's your responsibility. Um, heaven knows we've got enough uh, responsibility, and I will, if you're on the call tonight, and you know I'm talking about you, know, I'll call you in the morning and tell you that, but... But we're not attorneys. We're not tax professionals. We we protect your assets. We will work with these people, but you got to call them and tell them what's going on here. And believe me, they're Ed Gilmore and Bill Tully are two of the best in each country. Okay, yeah, Bill, I will. I'll call you uh, tomorrow, probably Wednesday. Probably Wednesday. I'm going down to see Bill Tully and grab my taxes and get them to the post office before midnight. So, okay. Um, uh, I apologize for not getting to you sooner. It's just been kind of overwhelming here. 
Um, our IRS EIN document says that we must file a Form 1041 by April 15th. Rich and Sue, our IRS EIN document says that we must file a Form 1041 by April 15th. Should we file Form 8736 for an extension? Well, let me ask you first, did you have any income, Rich and Sue? Did you have any income with, that, with your trust? A 1041 is a trust tax form. Um, we haven't got tax docs ready. Okay, have you have you um, did the trust specifically earn money? Answer me that question, and I can give you a better answer. Should we do gift letters to the trust also of currencies? Should we do gift letters to the trust? Not sure what you mean by that. Um, who are you going to gift? Um, who are you going to gift stuff to? Okay, that's what I would need to know. Who are you planning on gifting? different things, uh, currency too. Okay, I've got a few, um, we, oops, let me see if we got it. Oh, yeah, we got some more. On last week's call, you talked about changing life insurance policies ownership to Trust One. Who should the beneficiary be? The beneficiary can be the same beneficiaries you've got now. We only move the owner so that it doesn't go on your estate taxes, okay? If you're the owner of a million dollars, uh, million dollar life insurance policy, even though the million dollars is going out to benefit other beneficiaries, that will still, that million dollars is yours and it will still go in your estate tax. Don't ask me how they figured that one out in Congress, but they did. So make trust one, the, the, the owner of the policy, it takes ownership out of your personal name and you can either leave the beneficiaries as they are or if the beneficiaries have any type of um, judgments or IRS issues or CRA issues against them, make the trust the beneficiary, and then it, it can disperse the uh, it can disperse the, um, the funds. Okay, um, who should the beneficiary be? You can either leave it the way they are and make individuals the beneficiaries, or the church part of a beneficiary, or again Ronald McDonald House, or or uh, you know different animal shelters, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, anybody you want, um, beneficiaries. It's up to you. New in the STS, uh, Rich and Sue, new to the STS program, can you recommend a few accountants who can help us with filing our 214 income tax documents for Trust One? We are Canadians. Yeah, the fellow, in, um, the fellow to use in Canada is Ed Gilmore. And he can, uh, depending on where you live, he can probably either help. Well, he helps people from all over Canada. He's got people he works with, so he's got a, a nice size office. He's got ten, twelve people in there. Um, if you will send me an email, Rich and Sue, to that uh, to that uh, that you need somebody in Canada. Um, so this is Rich and Sue. We need a tax professional in Canada. I will send you Ed Gilmore's information. And if he's got a person that's close in your area that he could, that can work with you, he'll he'll put you right on to him. I sent you FACA papers that came electronically straight from my banker. Did you not receive it? I don't know. Um, I was in court all day today and um, had some things to do and um, so uh, with some clients and I uh, didn't get a chance to check them. So let me check. It'll be, I'll let you know if I haven't received them. What bank was that? Uh, type in what bank that was. Uh, ask local CIBC for FACA form that they... Did, don't have it. Okay, some banks, and I haven't heard of CIBC requesting this yet, you know, so that might be one of them that, that, that doesn't have them. Um, oh, yes, 25. Okay. Um, Rich and Sue, the trust did not earn money. Oh, oh yeah, you're in Canada. In the U.S., if you did 1041 in, in Canada? You don't have a 1041 in Canada. Uh, not to my knowledge. I heard it was something else, a T1 or a T3 or something. Anyway, to my knowledge, if there's no money earned, I'm I'm almost dead certain that Ed told me in our last meeting that trusts do not have to to file a tax form if there is no income. Um, but I'm meeting with Ed all day on the 29th, the day before the seminar in Toronto, and we're going to get every issue resolved. And my friends, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. We're not about taxes. That's between you and your tax professional. Now, if you don't have the STS program, you're still going to pay taxes, and you've got no protection for any of your property. Feel blessed that you're in a position 
to where you can pay taxes, which means you're earning some money, you're doing something right, okay? With the STS program, you're still going to pay taxes, but now your property's all protected, you're living your life as a business, and you've got legitimate tax benefits that you do not have as an individual, and that's one of the big benefits of this program. The fact that you're living your life as, an, as a business, not as an individual, where you have basically zero um, tax benefits, okay? Especially if your kids are grown because you are uh, empty nesters. Hold on. Okay. Boy, why do you get so dry just talking on the phone, I wonder. The trust did not earn money. Okay, that should be fine, and you shouldn't have to... But I don't know the answer to that. Call, send me an email. I'll get you Ed Gilmore's number tomorrow. Okay. And first thing, as soon as I see your, if you can get it to me tonight, I'll send it to you tonight. Our trust did not earn money in 2014, but we do have a few expenses that we will want to write off um, when we do file. How would you write if you, if it didn't earn money? What would you be writing the expenses off? They may still want to use them again. I don't know. That's stupid of me to even start to comment on that. Get in touch with your tax professional, okay? Um, TD. Hildy. TD. Okay, yeah, TD. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Mike April said this week, no income from trust, no filing. Okay, Mike's a tax professional. Um, I have my living trust notarized by the local MLA office who read it all and had me read it before it would be had read it all, and had me read it before it would be notarized. Can they read over the Trust One and Trust Two docs before notarizing them, or should I go to a commissioner of oaths? Let me tell you something, my friends. They, I don't care who it is. They do not see the binder Trust One and Trust Two documents. The only one you can show those to is your lawyer on a need-to-know basis. Or you can show them to your... You're, you can show them to your um, um, tax professional, but no copies made by anybody. They never keep those documents. Those are proprietary inform uh, documents, my friends. Um, if we ever hear anybody leaving them over overnight somewhere or something, we'll resign as trustee and you're on your own in a heartbeat, okay? You've got to protect us. We're protecting you. We expect you to protect us as well. So, no, you don't show those to anybody. The only thing you show to anybody is your six-page living trust document, just a little one on white paper that said, this is a living trust. That's what you show to bankers. That's what you show to tax professionals. And the new one has place for two, um, up to two um, successor trustees and up to two beneficiaries. So they have, and you are the creator as far as anybody is concerned. Um Yes, go to a commissioner of oaths, and you don't take the big binders. You take the small six-page um, living trust document, okay? That is the same thing Bill Tully told me. Um, I'm not sure what Bill Tully told you. Um, J-I-M, okay. Um, guess 46. Go to black panel to the right and click double bars twice to get some oh, trouble hearing. Okay. So I will go to the commissioner of oath for notarizing then. Absolutely. Guys, protect those binder documents with your life almost because it is your life. We, nobody deserves to see them. They haven't come to the seminars. They don't have a clue. Lawyers sound, sound dumb as a box of hammers when they try to, well, this is, I'll have to check the laws in Canada. Give me a break. Check the statutory laws. That's what you're checking because you don't know about the, the, the federal laws. Um, so I'll go to the commissioner of oaths for knowing. Yes, you will. Uh, would you please provide us with Ed Gilmore's contact information? Our email address is, okay, you know what, though? I'm going to lose this as soon as I shut the call off. I don't know how to record it, how to do anything. So, so um, Canelico, Canelico at Hotmail. Um, Rich and Sue, send me an email to my email address, and I'll send you Ed Gilmore's information. Anytime I ask somebody to do something here, just guys, let's make it automatic. You send me an email. But always, whenever you send me an email, I don't care if it's just to say, Mike, how's the weather where you're at? 
um, always put your first and last name because we've got a lot of robbers, we've got a lot of uh, um, Shirley's, we've got a lot of this and a lot of that, and and I recognize email addresses, but it's hard to find who you are. And um, if the trust makes no income, no need to file, Jim. Okay, that's J I M G F. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that's the same in Canada. Okay, so now I'm going to I'm going to read some questions that came in um, on the email. If I have stock, should I put the shares in the name of the trust um, or personal? Guys, if you have stock, that's why we have Schedule B4, Investment Equity Transfer. In most instances, any recorded investments like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, anything that's got your name on it, the opposite being um, gold, silver, um, gems, they don't have your name on it. Okay, So if you have any of those, you don't have to worry about it. But if you have anything that's recorded in your name like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, yes, you, you transfer only the equity because otherwise you would have to, to change name of the owner. You, you generally have to sell the investments, sell the stock, bond, or mutual fund, and repurchase it in the name of the trust. Okay, right now it's in your name. You can leave it there, and it will be fully protected by, by Schedule B4, um, Investment Equity uh, Recorded Investment Equity Transfer, something like that. Um, so you want to go, you want to um, um, make sure that, and then you repurchase it, but you don't want to go through all that trouble. There may be tax consequences. Once you sell it, you might have a capital gain, you might have a capital loss. Um, not sure what it might be, but you don't want to go there. Uh, what would happen if our trust documents were seized and destroyed? Then what would happen? Other than the bank has some of the paperwork. Okay, here's what people are doing. I, this is your responsibility once we get these documents to you. These are very, very powerful documents. Treat them as such. Keep them in a fireproof safe. But what most people are doing, the overwhelming majority, well over 95%, when they get everything signed and notarized and, and everything taken care of, they run them through a scanner. Trust One through the scanner, the LLC through a scanner, and the Trust Two through a scanner. So they've got a good, um, solid, legitimate copy of all the signed, notarized trust and LLC documents, okay? Guys, it's your life. If you don't do it, we can make you up new ones, but we're not going to be able to get those notary dates and everything else back on them. Um, you'll have to do all that again. My docs are all signed and notarized, but I haven't opened my bank account as yet. Is there a problem in waiting till I cash in to open my accounts? No, there's no problem, but where are you going to cash in if you don't have your accounts open? I would at least open a trust bank account, put a minimal amount in there, and open a trust bank account. Because it could happen, and I've been in high-yield investments, that we've waited and waited and waited, and then bingo, in the blink of an eye, that morning there's money available. And where are they going to put the money if you don't have a bank account? You have got you don't want to go in, in your personal bank account, that's for sure. I would, um, I would at least open the trust bank account. I received my bill in December to pay my annual fee, but I have not yet been able to pay. How much time do I have to pay it? You just go ahead and do what you've got to do. We'll take care of you. And as soon as you're able, you just send the money in. Can't do that for everybody. And, and But once in a while, somebody gets in a bind, and we'll, we'll, we'll rough it out with you. We'll take care of the payments for you until you can pay us. Pitiful to say, but my assets are minimal. No real estate, no 401k or other investments. My greatest asset is my foreign currency. I hand wrote a document referring it, transferring it to my trust one. Does it need to be notarized or is that self-sufficient? No. You, you, um, it, you go to trust one and you go to schedule B5. And you write in there Iraqi dinar or Vietnamese dong or whatever your currency is on the top line. And on the bottom line where it asks for account number, you put N slash A for not applicable. Um, we've got a place to put it. Yes, you'll have to have it notarized to make sure that the date that you transferred it in there. Okay, so go to Schedule B5. And uh, hey, you know what? You're not the Lone Ranger. There's a lot of people, and I've been in your same position. I know exactly what you're what you're going through. And there's a lot of people that that 
think enough of the STS program to realize that they've got to get their currency protected. Otherwise, it's going to be gone. Uh, you, you just hear me say that now, and you think, nah, it's not going to be gone. He's just saying that. No, I'm not. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my life one way or another, whether you start your program, my friends, for those of you that don't have it yet. But if you're available to start it and you haven't done it, shame on you. The, the odds are tremendously against you. Okay? Um, trying to determine the most strategic choice of entity to exchange currency into based on what the tax implications will be for the year 2015. And the choice being the STS Trust or the LLC. I'm looking at the LLC being a pass-through and not, and not required to file for itself, placing the money into passive income structure structures and only operating under expenses. I do not know anything about the tax implication with the trust. So the reason for my question would like your ideas. Everything, all of my currency is first going into the, uh, into the trust, okay? Um, hold on. Just uh, my computer just decided to time out on me. Okay, uh, everything I've got is going to my trust, and then as I need money in my LLCs, I will fund those LLCs. But the trust is the nucleus of the program. Now that's a good question that you came up with. I understand your reasoning, but the trust is the nucleus. That's where you. That's the private entity. Any LLC or corporation out there, somebody can actually go online and and um, see what's in that corporation or that LLC. Now, they can't link it to you in any way, shape, or form because you have no ownership in it. You're not the uh, shareholder. You're not the uh, um, stockholder. You're not the member. But, but they can look that up on a, on a statutory entity such as a corporation or an LLC. So I put I'm gonna, all of my money is going to go one time right into the trust, and I will disperse it from that point. Is it okay for Trust One to pay the mortgage and property taxes on rental property? If you've made that rental property, uh, you put it into an LLC where the, the trust, trust One is the, uh, is the owner. Um, uh, is the, um, let's see, what was that? Trust One to pay the mortgage. Yeah, if you put it into an LLC, if you're in the U.S. or a Canadian corporation, that's what should hold rental property, up to four properties per corporation or up to four properties per LLC and that's just our figure on that because of separation 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 being the key factor in asset privacy and asset protection but if you put it into that put it into trust one and uh, you can have the you can then uh, pass it down to the LLC or the corporation that owns the rental property and that LLC or corporation can actually pay the taxes and take the write-off and um, out of its uh, have the uh, the rentals paid to that LLC or that corporation, and uh, and then you'll you'll have all the write-offs for the interest and everything right through the LLC or the corporation. Um, but have the money initially put into Trust One. Now, not rental payments. If, if you're having the corporation, if you want the corporation or the LLC to pay the the property taxes and mortgage, et cetera, et cetera then you have the rents being paid to that LLC or that corporation, okay? Regarding the advice about separation of assets, would it harm the trust to, to have a bank account or own life insurance? An EIN number came attached to my trust too. It shouldn't have. There should be no EIN number for your trust too. Send Whoever sent this to me, I, I didn't see the whole question. If you're on a call tonight, um, just send me a note and say, Mike, mine's the one that had an EIN number with Trust 2. Shouldn't have had it. Um, okay. That, that was a mistake on, on my part somewhere. Question. When the time comes and we can exchange our currency, how will we safely do this with the STS program? Again, you will go into your bank. I'm just going to go, whatever the rules are at that time. You know, the rules keep changing from whoever you listen to and whatever the situation is that particular week. But I'll go to my bank and I'll tell them I've got I'm I'm a trustee for for such and such trust and the trust owns these dinar and I want to place them in the trust account trust bank account and I'll do whatever the bank tells me to do at that time. Do you think think the banks will hold the funds for a long time frame to verify? Nah, I don't know about long. They'll, you know, if all of a sudden you're going to have several million dollars, they're going to want to validate everything. They're not going to give up that money to you right away. 
you'll have a few days, and, and depending if you know if you got two dollars and ninety-seven cents in that account, they'll probably hold it a few extra days to make sure that everything's legitimate, and you can't blame them at all. It's they're 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 putting out money, they're giving you money for those. Um, they're going to have to make sure that the, they're not they're not the counterfeit uh, dinar or anything like that. Um, they'll hold it a little while, yeah. Will will they just take the currency to the bank and deposit it as an appointed trustee? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my currency to the bank and I'm going to deposit it. On the net, some of the people are telling everyone to do this. Attorneys, I load a, attorneys, I load a trust account as an interim holding place for the funds. Why would you want to give your funds up to anybody else? Why would you want to put them and give somebody else control, somewhat of control, over your funds? Where'd the privacy go here, my friends? Um, You can do that if you want. I I don't trust them. Too many court cases out there where attorneys, very legitimate-sounding law firms, have scammed people like crazy. Can you clarify on the call or maybe personally in an email from when your time comes? And I'll tell you, um, guys, when it comes to this much money, I want it in my hands. I want it in my hands. Um, okay, don't they have to notarize the trust one documents? So do you just? Oh, the trust. Yeah, if you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, if if you're looking for somebody to notarize, yeah, take it to a commissioner of oath. They don't have to notarize the trust one documents. So do you just show them? The pages, yes, I, w- I recommend all the time that people take out the pages that require notaries and take those individually to the, uh, don't let them put all the pieces together. That You're, you're losing your privacy there. Uh, pages they have to notarize, not the whole trust document binder. That's absolutely right. You take out just the pages that require a notary for Trust 1, for the LLC, and for Trust 2. And it's those pages that you take to a notary, nothing more. Okay. Okay, got no more questions from the email. Got no more questions on the computer. Let's see if there's anybody on the phone lines that has a question. If not, yes, we've got one. Okay, Northwest Illinois. Um, I'm assuming. Yeah, you're is, right. Berva, uh, how are you? I'm doing well. Okay, this isn't really account. related to anything other than how many Vervas do you have? One. No, I got oh. two. Really? Yep. Oh, no, the other one's Vera. One Verva, one Vera. Because I've been trying to see if there's more Vervas out there so we can friend up. You got it. You got it. Where'd you open your bank account? Um, Right here in town with one that I've had trouble with before, and so we have a wonderful little lovely thing going with... with, uh, Oh, is that with those two women banks? No. Oh, okay, good. This is a whole brand new guy. But I'm going to go back to the first one and tell tell the first guy I talked to, you really need to educate those two. You're a rebel. I know it, but I love it. Okay. God question? bless you all. Okay, God bless you too, dear. Thanks. Healthy. Talk to you later. That is the infamous Verva. I'm going to get to those questions on the computer in just a second, but we got a call here in Northeast Indiana. Who's on the line in Northeast Indiana? Uh, hi, I have um, all of my real estate is in my LLC, and now I need to take out a loan against one of the properties. Is there a way that I can remove just one of the properties from the portfolio? Yeah, you just um, you you sent me an email on that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I remember your email. I didn't get a chance to transfer it or something. Uh, things were just very hectic. I don't even know where today went. It seems like it should be about 10 o'clock in the morning. Here it's already uh, after 9 o'clock, after 8 o'clock, after 7 o'clock, after 6 o'clock in uh, four time zones. So um, <laughs> back, to your, back to your question. The um, You don't really have to. If you read through the first 12 pages, the trust indenture, you'll see there's a section there that where the trust can actually pledge certain assets back to you. That's much easier than taking the, uh, taking the liens off, unless on the UCC lien you have listed the address of the property. And then if you did that, that's no big deal. If you go to the CD, how long have you had your program? Um, maybe four months. Oh, okay, you're a newbie. 
the uh, if you if you go to the CD, put it in your computer and you scroll down. Uh, no, no. When you first put it in, it'll have Trust One, and then it'll have, I believe, um, um, uh, UCC One um, Example, UCC One Blank, UCC Three Example, UCC Three Blank. What you would do is make out a UCC Three and um, um, just use the use the example, and if you have to, this is the first thing I always do. Is just go. Um, did you file it in in Washington, the UCC? Yeah, and then I also filed them locally. Okay, well they probably will find it then. For the local, you might want to just fill out a UCC three and take the lien off, and then refile without the address of that property. Uh, and then uh, get your loan. We've had a lot of people that have done this, and then then amend it again. It cost you a few bucks, ten, twenty bucks at the most, I think. Uh, what state are you in? Indiana. Indiana. Oh, that's right. I saw this. Northeast Indiana. Yeah, and just um, yeah, just remove it, and then uh, take out the the loan, and okay. um, then just put the lien back on again. Okay. Nobody, yeah. Okay. We've had a lot of people that have done that. Or when okay. they're selling their homes, they just take the lien off, and they remove that property, and uh, they give a UCC three to the title uh, um, company. Title company, yeah, at closing, and mm-hmm. um, they're satisfied then. Okay. Oh. All right. Thank you. Alrighty. Thank you for coming on tonight. What's your name? Uh, Angela. Oh, Angela. Hi. How are you? Okay. Thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, can you have a trust bank account in more than one bank? As I would rather not have all funds in one finance. Yeah, you can have as many as you want. You can have them all in one. You can scatter them around. With my construction company, I had uh, bank accounts in a couple different banks, but I had about seven bank accounts all together. <clears throat> one was for union benefits. One was for payroll. One was for tools and equipment. One was for um, or whatever different things we needed. So, yeah, you could have more than one bank account, as many as you want, for whatever purposes you want. Financial advisor or wealth manager, until I have a team, I am totally happy with their way of doing things. Um, Yeah, Um, get somebody that you like, somebody that you feel good about. Uh, generally ask around and ask people, hey, who do you who do you have that's that's helped you, that's that's done a good job for you, blah blah blah, and then sit down, but get get several of them, let them know that you're you're um, you're looking at several different people until you find somebody that you're really comfortable with. But if they know that, they're going to go out of their way to try and give you better answers and, and do more for you. Same way with your if you're opening a bank account overseas once the RV takes place or whatever investment program you're in, once it funds and you go to put your money in one of the top ten world banks, go to several different banks. They've got a lot of perks. When you've got a few million dollars, my friends, uh, you don't go to the first one you come into. If they think they've got you and you're just going to invest your money in them no matter what, you're not going to get any perks. But if they think that, um, by golly, I've got to to, um, schmooze, schmooze this person a little bit to get them to invest in our bank, and I'll do that. And that's what they'll do. They'll give you some of the perks available. Okay? All right, my friends. It looks like we have come to the uh, end of a call tonight. Um, I thank each and every one of you for taking the time to come to the call. I hope this... Uh, we've got a lot of callers on tonight. I hope this, this call was very meaningful to you, uh, understanding a little more about the trust certificates. They are so powerful. The one thing I can tell you guys is when you get your documents, when you get your documents, the first thing within the first two days, you get them signed and notarized. Those are the two things. I had a fellow that called me just the other day, and he said, Mike, I've had my documents about a year now, and I haven't signed them yet. He says, I'm waiting to see. I don't know. I don't even remember what he was waiting to see. But, guys, you've got to get them signed, okay? That's that's your protection. You've got to get dates on there by the notaries. You've got to go through and then take the pictures. This this is this program is so powerful, but it's not worth 20 cents. Okay, my friends, thank you, Hildy, for sending the, resending the documents. Um, uh, it's not Michael. It's Michael, guest 16, but thank you anyway. I know what you mean. Um, Eagles, too, thank you so much. Guys, it's always my pleasure 
my privilege and my honor to share these things with you. We live in a, in a day and time when we need all the help we can get, every single one of us, and your family and friends needs it too. So God bless each one of you for taking the time to come on the call tonight. We'll see you back here next Monday, same time, same station, for another call, hopefully very informative to you and to what you're going through. So with that, thank you. Good night. God bless. Good night, Mom and Dad. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.